This episode is brought to you by IPFS Corporation, a premium finance, billing, and document signature and collection company. Visit IPFS.com to learn more. Hi, this is Alyssa Burley with Rancho Mesa's Media Communications and Client Services Department. Thank you for listening to today's top Rancho Mesa news, brought to you by our Safety and Risk Management Network, Studio One. Today, our Solar and Roofing Account Executive, Kevin Howard, talks to Kent Harley from Stellar Solar about the future of the industry. Good morning, listeners. I'm here with the president and founder of Stellar Solar, Kent Harley. Hi, Kent. Hey, how are you doing, Kevin? Doing great. Thank you so much for, for being on our, our podcast. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. We've worked together a long time already. What, yeah. 10 or more years? I think it's been about 10 yeah. years. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate you giving me that shot 10 years ago. And we've, you know, we've done some good things together. Keeping that experience mod down, finding different ways to create safety habits. And it's just been a really great relationship. So thank you so much. Absolutely. A little bit about Stellar. Stellar Solar has been awarded the Union Tribune's best solar installer uh, nine out of the last 10 years. Um, Kent, what would you, you know, what's a single factor that really sets you guys apart as a solar contractor? Oh, a single factor? Uh, man, that's hard to say. I mean, we care. We have to because every customer is important. We haven't had the, the huge marketing budgets that a lot of the companies out there have where you can just kind of go buy your way in. Um, every customer counts and every Mad customer, you know, screams pretty loud and counts even more. So I think that's it. I mean, for 20 years, we practically go, well, eventually we're going to get beyond this, but we got to make this customer happy. That's great. Uh, Customer service is everything. I'm I'm personally a client. You know, I've worked with your team twice now, and I just have nothing but great things to say. Awesome. That's good to hear. So, Ken, I'm a born and raised San Diegan. I I know that you were born in Iowa. Yep. And... You first got into, believe it or not, the snowmobile industry. Talk about that a little bit. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm an Iowa farm boy. I grew up riding snowmobiles and drawing snowmobiles. And really, I just thought I'd be a snowmobile dealer. So um, through a series of events, I ended up out here in California and never left. And uh, it's not exactly snowmobile country. but uh, <laughs> So I had an opportunity back in 1998 had a little money in the bank and had a few things. So we went out and raised some money and developed a new brand of snowmobiles, which, you know, we worked out for about five years, but it was ultimately not commercially successful. It was a tough time back in 2002 and three to raise money. So that's what how was I the name it. of your snowmobile. It was uh, called Redline Snowmobiles. It was written up a lot, a lot of magazines, and we won some pretty good awards. We won like Poplar Mechanics Design and Engineering Award. We won Poplar Sciences, Best of What's New, and Men's journals, seventy-five perfect things, and it was fun. It was a great project. You know, I still love talking about it today. I just actually kind of went to a reunion back in New York of some owners that have them still. Oh, uh, very in cool! In March, it was a lot of fun. Very cool. And so then, snowmobiles, the passion. How did you get into solar? What was the first step, Wait. and the reason why? So right out of college, I went to work for an electrical contractor, and then shortly after that, I went to work for my friend that had a lighting retrofit company. And I came to California because we were doing a lot of lighting retrofits for the military bases. This is probably 94 or something like that. And, uh, you know, we were saving an enormous amount of energy because we were taking most four-lamp light fixtures from four lamps to two lamps with energy-efficient, you know, lamps and ballasts and things like that. 
you know, so that was kind of my first foray. And like, this is kind of cool. You know, this stuff pays for itself. You know, you come out, you sell it's like, why wouldn't you do it? You know, you replace every lamp and ballast on site. You get more light. You have new warranty. And the thing pays for itself in one to three years. So that's what kind of piqued my interest in the whole energy thing. And then I, you know, that company was sold. And I had an opportunity to kind of just chase a dream. So I did. When that dream didn't become reality, you know, I quickly had to like, okay, what am I going to do? I just started pulling out some of my old stuff. And I'm like, "Eh, I don't really want to go back into lighting. But this solar thing's kind of interesting. Yeah. And I had met this gal in in a CEO group that I was part of. And uh, she was in solar. And that's ultimately where I met Michael Powers and Brian Grimes, my partners, too, in solar. So Very cool. um, But yeah, so... I made a quick transition because I had two little kids and had to get back to work and went to work for, uh, um, you know, a, a, one of the early providers here in San Diego. Now, I, if you hear, it, we'll quite often say we're the oldest in San Diego, and I truly believe that. We're not the first, but we are the oldest, continuous running, no bankruptcies, things like that in San Diego. Very awesome to learn about how you got into the business. Personally, and I think I've reached out to some friends and family and coworkers here, we're really excited to hear about the future of solar. Where is this heading? You know, you just mentioned that within the last 20 years, so much has changed as far as the trust in solar panels, uh, the ability to go out there and, and, and put money back in your pocket per month. I'm going to start a segment right now called the year 2100. And this, it's 2100. We're down the road about 80 years from now. What do you predict? What are we looking at? Man, that's tough. Um, 80 years from now, wow. You know, we've only been at solar for about 20. You know, it realistically, I mean, I think the first grid-tied systems went in around the year 2000. You know, and it's been a very linear, steady growth path over the last 20 years. We've got as many bumps in the roads today as we've ever had. Uh, We'll talk about those probably later. But year 2100, uh, you know, I think everything's going to be solar. I think we'll have the battery thing figured out. 80 years from now, it'll probably, I have no idea how, but it'll probably be all wireless in some way or another, at least some of this stuff. Um, You know, we never probably dreamed 50 years ago that we could send pictures over the internet or over the the air, right, right? instantly, anywhere in the world. I mean, it sounds like the craziest idea in the world. So, you know, I have an idea that by that time we'll have, everything will be drones, cars will be drones. Everything will be charged wirelessly somehow. Then you'll have solar panels everywhere. I mean, the sun's free. That's the one thing we have that comes up every day and is free. You know, you got to go mine coal and it's limited. You got to go find the oil and it's limited. Eventually, we're going to run out. Right. Great points. And as a homeowner in the year 2100, I probably have, you know, as a family, two or three electric vehicles. Um, What do you predict as far as families and how many solar panels they will have, or will they have actually the solar roof tiles? Oh, yeah, I think solar roofs is a given. Um, Roof tiles, uh, you know, this industry started with solar roof tiles, quite honestly, but some of the stuff we do today is a little more efficient when you put them a little bit above the the surface of the roof, so it's gone away. It was more affordable in retrofit, but I think in the future, I mean, you know, obviously Tesla's been talking about the solar roof, but, you know, there's a lot of companies like GAF, and Q cells and all these people are talking solar roofs. So I think before long, you know, who would have thought that, you know, electric cars would have come like they have in the right. last 10 years. And now with right. the mandate in 2034, that pretty much that's all that's going to be sold in California. I think the only roofs you will see will be solar roofs 10 years from now. 
Right. That might be a little aggressive, but man, I've already been doing this almost 20 years, so I wouldn't doubt it at all. It's a good segue into a conversation you and I had a couple months back. You mentioned that up in Berkeley, California, it's the first California mandate to not install gas anything, utilities, mm-hmm. jacuzzis, um, no gas-powered ovens. That just creates such a demand for for solar and for solar installers. What, what do you? When do you think that's going to trickle down here to Southern California and then you know nationwide? I think it probably already is trickling in. You know, I think we already see it trickling in. Um, every day there's different incentives for more electronics and things like that. SCG&E has incentives for electric instant hot water heaters, which, you know, for years, even though I'm in the, the solar business, we've said, you know, don't change that over yet because it's it costs more. But you know, if you look at natural gas prices, you know, they've gone up dramatically in the last year. I don't want right. to quote it. So when all of a sudden gas prices go up, the need for gas is not there. You know, right. um, the new induction ranges, everybody likes to cook on gas, but if you've ever cooked on an induction range, it's pretty amazing. It boils water faster than gas. And the second you pull your pan off, it's, it's pretty much cool to the touch. Right. So all these things are going to make electric more feasible. You know, we still do solar on houses right now that are all electric because maybe there wasn't gas into that neighborhood. Right. Um, so it's, it's always been possible. It's just becoming more practical. And environmentally, you know, none of this stuff is exactly environmentally friendly. I read stuff back and forth on Facebook, people saying, oh, it takes, you know, this big machine eight hours and, you know, 100 gallons of diesel to mine enough batteries for one car. I have no idea if that stuff's true. Right. Um, The one thing I do know is that when I went to the Tesla Gigafactory in Reno about two years ago, right before COVID hit, they talk about mining lithium or mining product for batteries, all the cobalt and everything like that. And they said in 10 to 15 years, we're going to be mining in the city, meaning everything's recyclable. And I think that's some place where we're going to see a lot of technology too. Could you go deeper into that? So mining in the city... Basically, I mean recycling everything down to the original component. I think we're going to see a lot of the stuff that we buy... It will be produced in such a way that it's going to be easier to recycle. And also then they're just going to have these processes, which aren't going to be free. You know, recycling is not free, but right. they're going to break these things back down into the original components. You know, they'll take all the glass out, all the sand out, all the, yeah. the copper out, all the electronics, the solder. And at that point, you know, when we can get somewhere like that, I think we have something that's sustainable. I'm not here to argue if, if batteries are cleaner than gasoline. Right. You know, the one thing I do know is the sun comes up every day, like I said before, and it's there every day. And when it's not, yeah, we got bigger issues. Yeah, then we so, have bigger problems. Yeah, we have bigger problems. Um, you know, I think that that's a great um, dovetail into my next question. How, how many homes in California have solar and what's our pace? You know, huh. you said 20 years, we're at... Is it 5%, 10%? And when will we have something more like 80% of homes are solar powered? In my position, doing this as long as I have, I should know the answer to that question. I have no idea. But I think it was more than 10 years ago one time. I'm like, oh, man, we're hitting saturation. You know, this seems crazy. You know, you go into a street and there'd be, you know, every fifth home had solar. You know, now it's every third. But those other two are facing the wrong direction, so they can't be done. Well, that will go away. You know, we'll have solar that'll work better on the north face, you know, and things like that. Um, And or you're just not going to, not everything, you can't cherry pick every house, right? You can't go out and go, oh, that house is perfect for solar. Well, that one went first because it's perfect for solar. 
but this house over here might be okay. Right. You know, it's just not going to pay back quite as fast. Right. Can't question for you. I am a homeowner. I have solar on my home. If I end up purchasing two electric vehicles, what do I do from there? Do I add more panels? Do I have to buy a whole new system? Will technology change where my system's outdated? I mean, that's a big question out there for, for homeowners. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's why one thing I always try to tell our salespeople to do is, you know, if, if somebody wants a better price or needs a better deal, give them more energy. It makes them happier than the thousand dollars are going to save, right? Right. It's a big deal because, as you know, at gas prices today in California, it's six and a half dollars or whatever they are. Electric cars are like driving for free practically, especially when you have solar, and it's a great thing. So, um, yeah, we ex- we're expanding a lot of systems. That's the one good thing we have because we have 10, 12,000 customers in our database. So some of our repeat business finally uh, that we've never had is now expanding systems and adding batteries. And, uh, you know, one of two things. Uh, you can add a battery, store the excess electricity that you produce during the day and put it into your car at night. You can also, you know, add as many panels as you can. I think in the future, you know, so far we've seen gradual increases in efficiency. So someday it may just make sense for you to replace those panels that you have with something that we can put a little more power on your roof. Or maybe we'll put them on the north side or east and west, things like that. Some of the infrastructure is the harder part of it. Right. Because most people have 100 and 200 amp panels and uh, we can't not get work orders through S&G fast enough. I mean, it's sometimes up to six months to upgrade somebody's panel. Wow. And uh, it's going to be the bottleneck in the industry is getting people's garages up to speed. You know, the the best thing I can say is to anybody waiting, though, thinking there's going to be something bigger, better. What we've seen is gradually increases. We have not seen anything that has been come in and obsoleted everything else. We have 20-year-old systems that are working perfectly. Oh, I love hearing that. Yeah. I mean, these systems were expensive back then. Yeah. Um, but the technology is basically the same. Do we have yeah. better monitoring systems and you can see it on your phone today? Absolutely. Yeah. Does it matter? Not really. Yeah. You know, everybody's excited about seeing it on their phone. Now, going forward, I do think it's going to be pretty important, you know, to have access to what your house is doing more and more because I think we're going to see people, especially if you have a 200 amp service and you've got two cars charging and your solar's blaring and you want to heat your hot tub, something's got to give. Right. Do you need to get that car charged now or do you need your hot tub now? You know, so you're going to have these things. Some of it will be automatic and some of it are going to be, hey, Kevin, you got to make a choice. So you're going to see more and more of that kind of stuff with smart breakers and smart, you know, home technology. Sounds like just like everything, you'll have the ability to control your home from your from your phone. I Absolutely. Mean, I, we all live in our phones way too much, but the future is going to definitely be right in front of you all day long, making those choices. That's really cool. So, you know, LG has been a big player. Sam, uh, one of the companies we work with is Q-Cells, and I don't think this is any secret, but they work a lot with Samsung. So all their new monitor technology and their battery technology will interface already with Samsung appliances. Very cool. Wirelessly. And that saves us a ton because if we have to go in and open up all the walls in the house, right. fish wires through and stuff, you you know, it could be days. We yeah. can put the solar system on your house in a day to two days, but it could take us a week to three weeks rewiring your house basically right. for some of this stuff. So when this stuff comes wireless and everything through Bluetooth, you know, now do we struggle? Absolutely. I, Bluetooth is, you know, I spend my half my life trying to reconnect, it seems like somewhere. But I think all that stuff just gets easier and easier with time. So Absolutely. And 
you made a great point. I think a lot of potential customers of uh, solar are waiting for the next thing or waiting for that technology to become, you know, such a no brainer. But in just in my opinion, getting in the game is so important because we're talking about a Delta of four or $500 per month per family. And that's a big deal. And, uh, you know, and that, that's my next question is, it seems like the utilities are making it harder to get your return on your investment, your ROI. What do you foresee there? And, and is that something that would detour me as a homeowner if I don't have solar to even add that to my home? Well, if anything, I think that's the reason you should do it sooner <laughs> than later. Um, we're always going to be fighting the utility, I think. Um, they are definitely attacking the industry right now, which I can't quite understand. I'm happy. I'll give you my opinion quick on it, but uh, you know we're always fighting back and forth. I mean, and it kind of makes sense. Initially, when you went solar, if you'd gone solar before 2015, somewhere in there, you know, basically your meter was just a, ba- a door that went back and forth. You either put it onto the grid or you're pulling it off the grid, same rates, in and out, the same price. Well, everybody understands that that's not a very good business model for SDG&E when they pay you retail and give it back to you at retail. And so then in about 2016, we went from what was called net metering 1.0 to net metering 2.0. And everything you use on your solar system is basically like, you know, is free. Right. And then when you would put it back, if you were producing more than you were using, you're putting it back onto the grid, they pay you a lower rate and then charge you a higher rate when you buy it back. Well, you know what, you're using their grid and that costs money and things like that. Initially, it's a really good thing for everybody Right. But eventually, when it gets to be too much solar, I can understand the utility's position that they can't do that. Um, right now, we're fighting, though, with net metering 3.0, which should be announced any day, or at least their intent will be announced any day. And they're not really going to give you anything for the electricity you put onto the grid, and they're going to charge your retail back. So wow. that's when you have to put batteries and things like that. So the, the other reason, back to your initial question, is like, what should homeowners do? I would buy solar this year. And I don't say that because I'm in the business. I have plenty of business right now. But you should look at it because, you know, and even then, you know, we're selling batteries. So uh, for 15, 20 years, we've seen the cost of solar come down via incentives, tax credits, and just manufacturing costs, right? Right. The, The products got less expensive for 15, 20 years. Naturally it's getting more expensive every month, just like the rest of the world. When you go to the grocery store, you see that your chicken's more expensive, your milk's more expensive. Well, you know what? So is our solar. Yeah. And we've been raising prices every month for the last 12 months, practically, a little bit, because I don't want to have the big jump. But, you know, if I don't, we're going to have too many contracts that we can't fulfill. Right. Uh, products in short supply. Um, again, you know, prices go up every week. Gas, diesel, seven bucks a gallon. And everything you read about wages and things like that is true too, especially in, you know, the, the construction world and, you know, probably in the lower, you know, lower income areas, it's gone up a lot. Probably hasn't kept up with inflation, but, you know, we've had numerous labor price increase or uh, wage increases this year. It's great. I like, you know, the more money my guys make, the better off everybody is, but we still got to be competitive. You do. You know, we got to be competitive to keep our guys and we got to be low enough that we can be competitive in the marketplace. So it's been a crazy year. Right. I think, again, no idea. I think we have four, five, six months left of 2.0. But again, we we don't know exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, some homes take three to four months to install. We do a lot of homes in, in 15 to 30 days, but some homes, some jurisdictions, some cities are slow. If you need a service upgrade, those kinds of things. Right. You may already be too late. But right. uh, 
as far as battery goes, then the problem is we get, not problem, but we get into the house, we start talking about solar, and it's like net metering 3.0 that's coming, everybody will need a battery. Yeah, it, it's, it'll it's be an assessment. Just part of the, you know, it's just part of right. the, the deal. It's a smart investment, and adding the battery will just, you know, create more of a safe reality moving, mm-hmm. moving forward. So, so here's another reason. Let's just talk about batteries for a second. I mean, most people can live with a brownout. Right. You know, most of us don't have health issues, things like that, that, you know, you have to have electricity every, you know, it's not a big deal. Yeah. yeah. Employers, different story. You know, hey, you can't really shut your factory down, things like that. Your equipment is, is a little harder on business. But my one thing my family like to do, we've gone to Lake Powell several times. We just got back from Lake Mead. And you see in Lake Mead all the time, they're talking about the, the, the water heights. It's the lowest it's been since the Hoover Dam was built. Wow. Uh, Lake Paul, same thing. So I follow them on Facebook, and man, it's, it seems pretty devastating what's happening out there. And uh, one of the things that, you know, that's one thing about vacations and environmental reasons and the water's low. Water's a whole other subject. But, you know, we get, we get about 11 or 13% of our power in California from hydro. And all the reservoirs are low. Uh, I think if you Google it quick, it'll tell you that there's a 35% chance that these power plants may go offline next year. Wow. Well, the best thing about hydro is it's like a big battery. You can turn it on 15 minutes before you need it. So we can leave all that water in the reservoir and turn it on. If we don't have that next year, it's my belief we're going to have more brownouts and blackouts than you can imagine. The utilities have already you know, been quick to shut things down. Couple with the fact that we don't have hydro possibly next year, and if it's not next year, who knows what happens the year after? That's good to know. I mean, uh, I, so I, buy a battery, buy a battery, buy the candles, and buy buy the uh, flashlights at the house because you, you know 2023 might be packed with some brownouts. <laughs> Absolutely. You couple all this with the fact that, I, and, and I think they might have backed off this mandate a little bit, but there's a mandate that Governor Newsom signed that we have to all buy electric cars. Now we don't have to buy them, but that's the only thing that's really going to be sold in California by 2020, 2034. That's 11 model years away. So when all that goes from being sold at Valero and Chevron and Shell to being sold through your meter at home, right? I don't know the math on it, but it, it can't be good. As far as the the supply, the supply of electricity, up, yeah. Right. I mean, so like everything, supply and demand. We don't have electricity; they're going to charge you an exorbitant amount. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, California's already you know thirty some cents a kilowatt hour. We had we looked at one commercial customer up at Temecula, and at some peak time, they were paying like a dollar eight per kilowatt hour. Keep in mind, the rest of the country pays nine ten cents. That's tremendous. So it's such now a the utility, which is government regulated wants to not let you really go solar. They're trying to block it. Mm-hmm. And then they're basically going to sell you all the electricity for that electric car they mandated. So what's going to happen is they're going to say, well, you know, that electric car is really cheap to run, so we'll just raise those prices up to where it's comparable with gas, which is $6 a gallon. So we're going to be paying a lot of money for electricity down the road. And it's all run through the government. I never think that's great. Great point. I'm going to ask you some questions for any listeners out there that own a business, own a construction company, especially are in the solar space. You guys have been so safe. I mean, it's, it's been amazing uh, watching you grow and at the same time, keep your employees safe. You guys have slippery roofs, mossy roofs, roofs at different angles, different times of the day. What's your best advice for fall protection for anybody out there listening? 
Well, my best advice for fall protection is to use it, train for it, you know, get your, get your team trained. You know, we've been fortunate. I mean, we've been on <laughs> tens of thousands of roofs over the years and, and been pretty fortunate with very few accidents. But I, I think it's more than just training. I think sometimes it comes down to longevity of employees. We've got 50 employees that have been with us for a decade. You know, I want all my employees to go home their night, at night to their families. And, you know, we, we push hard, but it's never get it done in the dark, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's like, or your fired type attitude, because that's when people rush, they make mistakes, they get frantic. Uh, so that's part of it. The second off is, is, you know, get a team or a professional trainer in there to train your guys on fall protection and then enforce it. It's really tough because honestly, guys don't want to use it. It's uncomfortable. A lot of them think it's more dangerous because they're tied up and all this kind of stuff. And it slows them down. Mm -hmm. And uh, it slows them down because they're moving more stuff, which is probably harder work at first. But ultimately, it doesn't matter. You know, one or two bad accidents can put you out of business. Right. You know, 20-year history of clean construction work can be gone in a month with two bad accidents. You know, between your, your rates going up on your work comp, between the OSHA fines and everything else and just... The, the, the devastation of what it can do to your company, it's extremely important. And it's not just fall protection. It's on the ground and, you know, electrical shock hazards, things like that. I mean, we run two of the hardest class codes, you know, roofing and electrical. So, right. you know, we got to be careful on the ground too. And then the third is driving, you know. We put a ton of miles. I mean, most of my guys run twenty to 25,000 miles a year on their vans. It's, it's a common misconception that a, an auto accident is a work comp claim, and it is. You know, you're driving Absolutely. during the course of work. It's just as important as fall protection. As far as fleet safety goes, can you share with our listeners, what are those two different things that you guys are doing to make sure <clears throat> that safety is a huge part of that? that well, we track all of our vans now, which we didn't use to. And I don't yeah. like it in the way that I think it's invasion of personal space. But I tell you what, it also keeps them out of trouble. If they, people know that their speed's being monitored and, and that kind of stuff, they slow down. Right. At the same time, take the extra overtime, whatever it takes to get home. It's not a big deal. I understand you're in a hurry and you want to get home, but you can't drive that fast. So it's not just about us. It's about our customers and, and you know all the guys in the fields and our drivers and so ultimately, you, you care about your employees. You want to make sure they get home at night to, to their families safely. And that's, you know, it's a really great way to enforce a strong culture of safety. We, we use that term a lot. You guys definitely have that. What <clears throat> is the most rewarding part of your job? Well, I've said for years. The one thing I like about solar is if we tell you it's going to do this, it's going to do it. If we tell you it's going to produce so many kilowatt hours, it's going to do it. If it doesn't, you need to call me because something's wrong. It's not a guessing process anymore. I mean, we're not, we, you know, very sophisticated tools, satellite imagery and shade tools and things like that. If we tell you it's going to produce a thousand kilowatt hours a month, it's going to produce it. So I like that. And, uh, you know, whereas like pool solar is good, it works well, but it's kind of hard to say exactly what it's going to do for you. Yeah, Kevin, your pool's going to be warmer. How much warmer? I don't know. You know, but it is going to be warmer. And you'll get right. in and go, yeah, my pool's warmer, my season's longer, and it's a great thing. What we do is very calculated. And, Precise. Yeah. And if it's not, call us because we need to fix it. So the other side of it is, you know, there's a green side. And there's two greens. There's green money and there's green environmental. Right. And kind of all I've ever done my entire career is... Even though I'm not like this environmentalist, 
by, by nature. Pretty much all I've ever done since college is lighting, energy, upgrades, clean snowmobile technology, and then solar. I mean, those have kind of been my things. And I'm a big believer that if there's the green money aspect, not for me necessarily, but like a payback or some, you know, and there is, you know, if you can put more energy efficient lighting in, you can get better lighting for less money and it pays for itself. That's a good thing. Solar is the same thing. It's like, it's the one, like I, I've, I think this is the third time I've said it today. The sun comes up every day. It's free. It's never going to change. You, the utilities, we call it taxing the sun. But if you eventually, here's the other side of it. Eventually, I think we're going to see a lot more true off-grid systems. When people say, hey, I want to go, go solar and go off the grid, that's not really what we do. We're grid-tied. Uh, yes, people up in Julian and where there's no power go off-grid. But I do think eventually we're going to see off-grid systems in the city. Right. Um, because the solar is getting more efficient. The, the inverter technology keeps um, going that direction. And we technically can do it today. I think, you know, right now it's the best deal is to still connect to the grid. Yeah. You know, have that arrangement with the utility to buy and sell electricity or store electricity and or have it when you need it at least. Yeah. You know, so what's changing is before we used to just use the grid like a big battery back and forth. Didn't matter. Right. And now we're getting to the point where it's a one way relationship. We try to do everything on our side of the meter. Take your solar electricity, put it into your battery. You use your energy from your battery when you need it. And when that battery is depleted, buy a little bit from the utility. Just use it one direction. Right. Even if it's more expensive. Yeah. Eventually, what I'm talking about is, and I don't know if that's two, three, five, ten years, but I think in ten years we'll be doing a lot of purely off-grid systems. That's exciting. In town. It's really exciting. Yeah. Um, what if the government were to incentivize property owners through some sort of tax break to install solar on apartment buildings so that, you know, across the nation or in California, you have low-income families that are not paying these tremendous utility bills uh, for their apartment. I mean, is that something that you can, if you had a magic wand, you're in charge, would that make sense? Well, yeah, it makes a ton of sense. And there already is pretty good incentives for, um, lower income housing, uh, solar projects, things like that. You know, the one side of it's kind of typical, you know, when government's involved, it gets costly, but the incentives are there. And I've been told there's a lot for electric car chargers and things like that too, because, you know, they want to make sure that the lower income people can have access to some of these same perks. Um, It makes a ton of sense. There's certainly costs involved because, do you provide everybody's electricity for them or do you have to submeter it? And, you know, you start submetering and subbilling, all of a sudden there's more costs. And, you know, I'm a big believer that we have to figure out how to simplify things, um, not make them always more complicated. Right. And right now we're in a, we're in a time where things are getting complicated again. You and know, it's not that at, old yet either. No, I know. But solar was very it. simple at first. You hook it, you just backfeed a breaker in your panel no big deal, run a wire to your router, get some monitoring going. And now there's there's a lot of safety things, which are good. Um, but we didn't really have safety issues before, you know. There's a lot of 
complication, you know, just like our cars are more complicated than they used to be too. And maybe I'm just getting old, but, uh, <laughs> um, so when we can figure out how to make some of this stuff more simple mm-hmm. to do, it'll be great. You know, I, I also think when people, um, qualify, charge people that make less money, less for the electricity. Right. You know, people that can, it's kind of goes against a lot of my politics, but when people can pay more, they should pay more for some things. Um, right. Essentially, electricity is is given to us by the by the government in a way, not given, but it's it's run by it's regulated by the by the California government, and we can set our rates for lower users. I would think people with lower income would have lower usage, right? Right. If we just go out and give, you know, make building owners give their tenants electricity, people don't care anymore. They leave their air conditioning at 65. They, you know, leave their lights on because who cares? I'm not paying for it. Right. Just like you do when you go to a hotel room. I, that's an own, one of my own things. When I go to a hotel room, it's like going, I don't need to shut the lights off when I leave because I'm not paying the bill. But the reality of it is you should. Yeah. You know? And when people don't have any personal responsibility for it, they don't care anymore. Right. Right. There's no incentive for you. There's no incentive. So somehow we got to figure out how to do that to where they can take advantage of the solar, but not take advantage of the system. Right. Great answer. Just for our listeners, one more. I know this is for me as as a a fan of solar and a fan of future technology. I I I love to geek out on sci-fi. When will the solar roof tile be the main component? put on roofs is that you know what year is that 2035 2040 what do you predict oh i think it's sooner than that um wow yeah you know obviously tesla is the one that puts the that puts it out there quite a bit but we started with solar roof tiles you know back in the early 2000s they were doing it they just weren't as more as efficient and uh, uh they cost more money and weren't as efficient so the payback wasn't there and it was expensive but the costs have come down and there's some major players such as you know tesla uh, GAF Roofing, who's the largest roofing provider, I think, in the country, uh, Q-Cells, and I'm sure there's a lot of others. Those are just the ones that I know people at that I know are working on it, and I've seen the product. So uh, I think it's four or five years. Very cool. Yeah. I can't wait to see some of those out there. You know, Ken, it's been such a pleasure working with you as far as your insurance agent. We've been working together for over 10 years. We've had all types of situations that we've tackled together. What keeps you staying with Rancho Mesa? What is the reason that you trust us and that you feel like we're the best fit for you? Well, you worked hard to get our business. <laughs> you know, more than a decade ago, you worked really hard. And uh, I'll probably stay out of exactly how, how we got the first meeting. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, it was like 2008, in fact. I do know that. And um you know, you worked hard to get our business and you've worked hard every year to keep it. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of, you know, we hadn't brokers before and, uh, you know, they write the policy and they go away till next year. And you're there every quarter wanting to go through our business with this because, you know, we've had fast growth. We've had years where we had to retreat, you know, so um, Ranch Base has been there every step of the way. I mean, you, you know, every year what I appreciate is because is work comp is not my business, mm. you know. The state used to tell us what codes we need to do, and we just fill it out and send it in. But it's a, you know, we, we're a low margin business. And right. uh, if you can save us a couple percentage points on insurance, on our work comp, and keep us out of trouble, it's a big deal. Um, the fact that you come in every 
every year and go through our, whenever we need you, come in and go through our actual claims and show us how to get rid of them or how we can mitigate them and, and keep it down. It's been a big deal. You know, we started well over, you know, a 1X mod or whatever you call it, modifier over 1.0. We drove it down to like 0.65. We had a few COVID-related instances. We got to work it back down, but right. I know you'll help us do it. Absolutely. Um, we get calls every year. People only call when it's time for renewal. Um, I always just tell them it doesn't matter. You know, well, I appreciate I'm that. Not gonna loyalty. I don't need to shop. That's huge. I think that um, I care about you. You care about me. And, and Rancho Mesa is really, really lucky to have you as a customer. You guys are just well, amazing. So I appreciate that. But again, you guys keep us out of trouble and uh, keep us covered and. We've had no issues, so we're not going anywhere. Let's keep it going. Let's grow together. You know, one of the other things is, too, um, and we've talked a few times. I've turned you over to a few rippers and a few, you know, and the solar guys. I feel the more you do in my industry, the better job you'll be able to do for me. A lot of the guys are out there. You know, they got a guy doing tile over here, and they got a guy doing landscaping over there, and they might have a solar contractor. But you seem right. to – you and Rancho Mesa seems to know our business, which is good, um, you know. I don't think, you know, the fact that I don't look at you working with other solar contractors as competition. I look at it, it helps us overall. I appreciate you saying that. And we actually just launched Power One. So Power One is a, a, a verticalization that I'm you know, going to be going out there. I have relationships with some underwriters that are really aggressive for solar, really aggressive for roofers. We have some policies just as important as pricing that are protecting you specifically. Uh, for example... If you guys were to install some solar panels in the wrong place, shaded area, you promise X amount of power, and there's an issue with the customer saying, hey, you promised me X, I'm getting Y back. Uh, that's an insurable uh, risk, and I, I think it's really important. And, I, and I'm learning more all the time by talking to you, by getting out there and talking to insurance carriers, that Power One can protect that solar contractor, can protect that roofing contractor, because it's really tailored for your type of a business. So. Yeah, absolutely. No, I appreciate it. I hope I never call you to cover an insurance claim, though, for me putting them in the wrong area. I haven't yet. <laughs> I better not do it's it. It's not going to happen. <laughs> in closing, Kent, Harley from Stellar Solar, thank you so much for coming down to Studio One, spending time with us. <laughs> and I'm really looking forward to the future with you. Sounds good. Yeah, I appreciate you having me down. This has been fun. Thank you. This is Alyssa Burley with Rancho Mesa. Thanks for tuning in to our latest episode produced by Studio One. For more information, visit us at RanchoMesa.com and subscribe to our weekly newsletter. Kent, I, I brought a couple solar jokes with me, and I, I'm actually challenging you to not laugh. Okay. What is a solar panel's favorite drink, Kent? I have no idea what a solar, solar panel's favorite drink is, Kevin. Sunny D? <laughs> This might not go in. <laughs> why was the solar panel anxious, Kent? I do not know why the solar panel was anxious. It was all hot and bothered. <laughs> yes. right, that was pretty good. We got it. We got it. <laughs> I think there looks the, the perfect part. It's the best reaction. <laughs>